act and community here. Um, in your program when you came in this morning was a, uh, a communication card. If you could do me a favor and fill that out so that we make sure that we have all your information. As you know, um, with the government stuff and all that, with nonprofits, we have to have certain data that we have to keep at all times. And so the city is not only something that you can interact with, it's also something that we, um, we use to manage all the church stuff, okay? And so we just need your help. If you could do that, fill that out, and just drop it off at the connection point table on your way out, that would be really great. The other thing, too, is I know some of you um, are gone in and out throughout the summer, and uh, one of the cool features, and this sounds really weird saying this, but one of the cool features about the city is that there is also an online giving thing um, that you can use if you want to use that. You can use that also and uh, keep up to date with all your obedience of tithing and all that stuff. So um, if you're interested in that, you can check that out. There's all kinds of stuff on there too. Um, so if you have not gotten in the city, get on there. If you're interested in it, just go to our website and you can actually click on the link there and it'll take you right there. So um, I think that is what I'm supposed to do with that. So anyways, so hey, I'm excited today uh, for this, uh, this message just because uh, when we thought up this series um, like three weeks ago, um, we really were kind of at a place where we're like, how do we, what do we do right now? Um, because we felt like we weren't done with the Old Testament, but we, we still felt like there were still some more things that we either skipped over, we missed, that we wanted to go back to. And so um, over the next, I think it's seven weeks, um, I got a crazy ring. Do you hear that? Or is it just me? Okay. Hey, that's better. I don't know what that was. Um, that's the sound guy in me. Okay, sorry. Um, but we, we began to put together these different characters that we, um, we kind of skipped or stories that we skipped in the Bible that really are great stories um, that communicate something and truth-wise that we really want to communicate for our church because we believe it's so crucial. And so uh, this week what we, we talked about um, doing is introducing a character named Elisha. Okay? Now here's the thing about Elisha. He's not Elijah. Okay? Because when sometimes when you say Elisha, someone's like, you sneezed, and it's Elijah, okay? No, it's Elisha, okay? Elijah um, was a prophet, which we talked about, if you remember, um, probably about a couple months ago now. We talked about him and his confrontation with um, Ahab and Jezebel. Do you remember that? If you do, that'd be great because I spoke. So that'd be even more reaffirming um, that you guys don't fall asleep. Um, so, but we talked about them. And right, what's really interesting is right after that story in 1 Kings 19, um, there's this story of Elijah heading out of that situation and going and God saying, I want you to go here. And he goes up to this mountain. And if you're familiar with the story, many of you are, is it's where Elijah meets with God and he looks for God in the wind and he looks for him in the earthquake and he looks for him in the fire and all this stuff. And then what we see is that God doesn't come in any of those, but he comes in what? Yes, thank you. And you did it with a whisper. I appreciate it. Um, but it's still a small whisper, right? And so that's how he came. And so right after that, in that, that time, God begins to speak to Elisha and say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to anoint this person king. I want you to do this, this, and this. And part of that was this call of Elisha. He said, I want you to go to Elisha, and I want you to anoint him as the next prophet of Israel. And so then as we see um, in Second King, or First Kings 19, we see Elisha, or Elijah going to Elisha, and he takes his cloth and he throws it over his shoulder. And what we find Elisha doing is doing his ordinary everyday job. 
And what his ordinary everyday job was basically being a farmer, right? And so he, his job every day was to, to hook up the, the oxen and get on the plow and start plowing. So I look at it and go, his primary job was looking at cow's butts all day. You know, I don't know about you, not the most uh, sought after job, I wouldn't think. And so when we see this happening, what we see is him doing something that was probably crazy at that time, because what he did was he ended up embracing the call that Elijah had put on him or the cloak that Elisha had put on him, and then he kills his oxen. And then he takes that meat and he feeds his family and feeds his um, uh, community and all that stuff around there. But he didn't just stop there. Okay? He didn't just kill the oxen. He burned the plows. So what's interesting about Elisha is this, is when he uh, took the call of God, he took and he got rid of anything that had to do, that tied him to his old life, that tied him to his old way of making money, that tied him to any of that. And he got rid of it because he could never go back to it, right? And so we see this, this person named Elisha, and we see his life starting to pick up. We see his story, his, his like office of the prophet happening in the first parts of 2 Kings, okay? So if you, if you want to, you can turn me to 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses like 8 through 23. So it says on the screen. As you're looking at that, we're going to focus in on a, the section of Scripture in verses 15 through 18. But before we go there, I want to kind of help you get through this, this first part of it. Now, this would frustrate me. I don't know if it would frustrate you. But every time you go to do something, you go to do it and you find out you can't do it because what, was, what you were going to do just couldn't be done because things weren't in place for that to happen. So that's the situation we find the king of Aram in. He, he's going, he's trying to uh, conquer the people of Israel, and he's doing all these things. And every time he goes to make a military advance on him, he goes to this place and he finds out nobody's there. And so, as you can imagine, he, he gets a little antsy and starts going, okay, now who among you is a spy and a traitor? And so... I, I, as you can imagine, the people probably closest to him are like, it's not me. You know, like, don't kill me. And he's like going around trying to figure out who this is. And one of them speaks up and he goes, no, it's none of us. It's the, it's the prophet from Israel named Elijah. Elisha. See, I'm going to mess it up. Elisha. And like, they say that he even knows what you speak in the quietnesses of your personal chambers. And he's telling the king of Israel, and every time he tells the king of Israel, the king of Israel moves something, and then when we go there, he's not there. And so the king, you can imagine, is just furious. And so he goes, where is Elisha right now? And so they found out that he's in Dothan. So he goes and he sends a whole army into that area. And where we pick it up is in verse 15. So go ahead and put it up here. Maybe. Doesn't work today. Slide. There we go. It says this, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Now, I read it very calm, okay? I can imagine he said that with wet pants and a very urgent voice, okay? Because he's coming out of this tent right in the morning and he's going, oh no. You know, like they caught us finally. Like, Elijah missed this one somewhere. Like, why didn't he tell me this, you know? And so he walks out, and he sees just an army just all around on the hills. And he's like, we're dead. And so he turns to Elisha, and he says, what shall we do, my Lord? 
In the next verse, it says this. He says, don't be afraid. (laughs) Easy for him to say, right? Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, the curious me, okay, starts going, that's easy to say. But when you're looking out and all you see is an army that's out to kill you, it's easy to be afraid. Or when you see the circumstances of your life starting to mount and every all the pressures against you coming on. And this guy looks at you and goes, don't be afraid. There's more for you than there is against you. Even though that's meant to be comforting, (laughs) it's not too comforting because with my eyes, this is what I'm seeing right now. And what I'm seeing is not what I need to be seeing because from what you're saying, it's not adding up. And so we see this in verse 17. It said, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Now, there's a couple things I want you to notice about this verse. And the first one is this. He didn't pray for God to change his circumstances. Elisha didn't look at the servant and say, okay, now we got to pray that God like comes and like raptures us out of here, right? He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, God, change the circumstances, change, you know, what, what's happening here. Don't do any of that. He, he just simply says, God, would you open his eyes? The second thing is he didn't try to persuade him to believe. I don't know about you, but I love trying to persuade people. Okay. I call it arguing. Okay. But. I think many of us are that way. Like if we're not getting our way, if we're not doing what we need to do, we'll, we'll argue with the best of them to help somebody else see what they can't see, right? I want you to see it the way I see it. Well, maybe they're not supposed to see it the way you see it. Maybe you're supposed to see it the way they see it, correct? So who's to see and who says what you see is what you see and who? And so Elijah, Elisha looks at him and goes, Lord, open up his eyes. He doesn't say, my eyes are open, you're, you're stuck, but I see everything's good here. He says, God, would you open up his eyes? This week has been a really interesting week uh, for me, just in studying this over the last few weeks and preparing for this, this message. And it's been, it's been a really cool week because when you look back on it, it's cool. Um, but in the meantime, it wasn't very cool because there was a lot of things happening just in our home and stuff this week. And And I found myself trying to be that person that persuades, you know, or argues or tries to change things with my words. Or I try to, you know, just pray that God would change the circumstance. And I found myself over and over again being drawn back to this section of scripture where Elisha models this prayer for this person. And he says, God, would you open up his eyes? I got to tell you, I woke up this morning really, really excited to speak. Ask my wife. I'm never up at 545, and I was up at 545, okay? Let alone excited at 545 and excited to speak, okay? At that time of the morning, my voice doesn't, my voice is like this, you know, and it's really low, and I'm not ready. But this morning, I was really excited. And I have to kind of honestly tell you, like the first service, kind of just felt like, eh. And I'm like going, God, what... What's happening? And I think what really happened, even through that first time speaking this this morning, I tried to persuade instead of just letting God do what he needed to do. 
And so my prayer the whole way, and it's been all morning, from here, from Brooksville to here, is this, God, would you open up our eyes to see? Would you open up our eyes to see that there's more for us than there's against us? Would you open up our eyes to see what we need to see in this situation, the circumstance that we're going through right now? Because I think so many times, we don't just pray for our circumstance to change, we try to change our circumstance so that we don't have to do what we need to do in that time. And so this week, as I was going through all the stuff that I was kind of dealing with and just, just praying a lot, I found myself going to this word open. And lately, I don't know why, I like words right now. And I like looking at the meanings of the words. And the last couple of times, it's been very beneficial. But for some reason, I don't know why God has me look at them on Friday. Okay? I want to process this a little bit more. But there's a Hebrew word for open. It's called pakwa. I'm probably saying it wrong. I sound like, you know, cockatoo doing it or something. But, um, but it's, that's the picture of it. What's that picture of? What? Throwing garbage out. Okay. Anybody else? What? Eh, not bread. I wouldn't want to eat that bread. That's like rubble from an earthquake. But, uh. But here's the picture of this word. So when we hear, when we look at this verse and it says, open his eyes, Lord. What Elisha is praying is this. God, remove the rubble. This picture is from the earthquake in Haiti. Go back, please. It's a picture of Haiti and it's a picture of the people removing the rubble so that they can begin to start over, right? Right? And so this picture is a good picture for us because I think so many times in our lives we look at our circumstances, we look at what we're facing and we're scared and we can't see what we need to see because we have a pile of rubble sitting in front of us. And your rubble could be because of past experiences, it could be because of situations and circumstances that didn't go your way or you thought was going to go a different way and, and they could be from like different times you prayed and it didn't happen that way and like God not answering certain prayers and and Elisha is praying, God, would you remove the things that are blocking his sight? The rubble that I've allowed to pile up in my life, would you, would you push this aside? Would you move it aside? And I have to be really honest with you. This, the last couple of days and even over the last couple of weeks, I've been really praying, God, can you teach me to pray this way? Like to pray that, God, would you open, just open up our eyes? Because I don't want to have another conversation where I'm sitting here trying to have to convince somebody that the way they're acting, the what, the, what they're doing doesn't glorify God or honor God in any way. But God, can you open that up so that when that conversation that you've asked me to have, when I have that, it's like, yeah, I see that. Can you do that? I found myself a couple weekends ago driving up to Frankenmuth for a baseball tournament. And it... I was praying, God, would you open up my eyes to see what you have for us this weekend? And so very clearly that weekend, God gave me a very big picture of our baseball team. And I haven't even told Rob this yet, but this is more specifically towards him. But what's cool about this is this, is that God's put all these little boys on this team right now. And every one of them has an incredibly tender and soft heart. And so there's a reason why God's put the people in that, on that team 
and put the coaches around them that are to be their coaches. Because not only is God wanting to work inside of their lives to change them and teach them who they're supposed to be in Christ, that's the beauty of what we get to do with these kids. We get to teach them about God and play baseball, fun, you know. I can't get any better than that. But my prayer has been even for the last couple of weeks, would you, God, would you open up Rod's eyes? Would you open up Rob's eyes? Would you open up CJ's eyes? Would you open up anybody else that has this kind of influence? Would you open up their eyes? But here's the beauty of this. And here's the beauty of this word. I love this word. Because not only does it mean to remove the rubble, but there's also another part to it. And it, it simply is this. Remove the rubble so that something else can flourish. Remove the rubble so that this person might flourish. And so this picture is this, and I'm going to use this baseball thing, and I'm using you, Rod, again. Sorry, there's no tank. I didn't wet you, okay? So, um, but I'm using this picture in this way. Not only does God want us to invest in these little kids that have incredibly tender hearts and incredibly sensitive. I mean, how many, we have more criers on our baseball team than I don't know how, I mean, I'm like, whoa, okay? You get called out and you're, you know, I'm like, this is baseball, you know, like, all I can hear is Tom Hanks go, there's no crying in baseball. You know, like, that's all I can hear. But here's the thing in this. What we can look at is and go, God, what are you wanting to do in them? Instead of going, God, what are you trying to do in me? And in me, there's a lot of my story that God's trying to redeem, even in the picture of these little boys. And in Rod's life, Rod's a coach of this for a reason. I'll leave it at that. There's rubble that needs to be moved away. And part of that rubble is seeing what's around you and seeing what God is inviting you into. Now, I use that situation, but let me just say this. There's a lot of us that do the same thing. And we're praying for a change of circumstances. God is going, would you just open your eyes? Would you just allow me to open your eyes so that you can see exactly what you need to see? So my prayer has been this week for many of the guys. I mean, I'm going to point out a lot of people in here and just deal with it. Okay. But my prayer has been so much this week. God, open up Mo's eyes. Michael, sorry. That's his formal name. Michael's eyes. So he can see, so he can see who it is that you've called and gifted him to be. And he doesn't have to live with the rubble anymore. And so that can flourish. God, would you open up Nate's eyes? So that he can see who it is that you are creating and crafting him to be. And that all this stuff that's piled up for so many years, that doesn't define anymore. It just gets pushed away. And I get to look at Dwayne and I get to say, Dwayne, I've been praying for you all week. That God would open up your eyes so that you can see who he's calling you to be. And step it out into being. And I get to pray for Josh. And I get to say, Josh, would you just open your stinking eye? No, this way. But I get to pray in that way of saying, God, would you just open up their eyes so they can see what's right here? Because if we can get through the rubble, if we can get through the circumstances, if we can get through the past and all the crap that has been piled up for so many years, that's hiding the very thing that God is wanting to flourish. Then we're going to see something that we would have never seen before. And so the servant is sitting here and all he sees is this and then. All of a sudden, Elijah prays this prayer. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Next verse. 
Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw. Now you can read the rest of that, but let me just put it this way for us. He looked and he saw something he had never seen before. I want to even say this. He looked and he saw something that used to look very familiar. But because of the rubble, it all got covered up and it looked different for so many years. And God is wanting to heal that. God is wanting to bring what he needs to bring out of that situation so that you can be who you're supposed to be in this world, in this community, in your family, in your workplace, in every place you go. There's a parable in Matthew. And Jesus, many of us were familiar with this passage. So I was going to have you go to it because of time. I'm not going to, but read Matthew 13 this week. And it's Matthew 13, 1 through 22. Next slide. And it's the parable of the sower. And Jesus tells a story about this farmer who goes out and he casts this seed, right? And some of it falls on rocky soil and it, it shoots up very quick, but sooner or later it dies because the roots can't get down deep enough. Or it falls on the path and the birds come and eat it. And it, there's all these different pictures of this farmer who's casting the seed. And then there's this one picture where he casts it out into the soil that's just manicured right. It's, it's right as it needs to be. Now, some of that just hit me is this. What does it take to grow things? So I'm going to use a word that I probably shouldn't use in church. It takes crap, right? Manure, rubble, garbage. So I think so many times we look at it and go, no, we got to get rid of the rub. No, we, we need to till it up. Because that stuff is not meant to be there, but that stuff is the thing that's the things that have taught you some things in your life that you don't want to deal with, but it's the very thing that's going to help what needs to grow, grow. Sorry, where was that? Oh, yeah. The soil. And he cast it out on this, this soil. And it says that all of a sudden it, it shoots up. And it doesn't just like bring a m- small harvest. He says all of a sudden there's 30, 60, and 100 fold what he cast. But Jesus goes to this next point, And here's where I want you to turn. Turn to Matthew 13. And go to the verses in verse 10. It says, his disciples came and asked him, why do you always tell stories when you talk to these people? Then he explained to them, you have been permitted to understand secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others have not. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even what they have, have, been, or even what they have will be taken away. This is why I tell you these stories, because people see what I do, but they don't really see They hear what I say, but they don't really hear and they don't understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. You will hear my words, but you will not understand. You will see what I do, but you will not perceive its meaning. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their eyes cannot hear and they've closed their eyes and their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their heart cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Jesus looks at us and says, but blessed are your eyes because you see and blessed are your ears because you hear. And he goes on and he goes, now here's the explanation of this story that I just told you. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the good news about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the seed away from their hearts. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. At first, they get along fine. 
but they will as soon as they have problems or are persecuted because they believe they believe the word. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept God's news, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares of life and the lures of wealth, so no crop is produced. The good soil represents the heart of those who truly accept God's message. And I love this part. Those who truly accept God's message, and they'll produce a huge harvest. 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. So we look at it and go, God, you owe me. And God goes, no, let me open up your eyes so that you can see what you need to see. And once I push away that rubble and that seed is cast, what's going to begin to happen is things are going to begin to flourish and you're going to see more than you've ever could imagine in your life. Jesus said that he came to give us more and better life. He came to give us that full life. And that's the picture, removing the rubble so that our eyes can see exactly what we need to see so that the things that need to flourish can flourish. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're sitting there like the servant of Elisha and you're sitting there going, yeah, we're dead. Or I don't know where we're going next. Because my circumstances, my situations say I don't belong here or what's happened is greater than I can handle on my own. And I would dare to say to you, I'm praying for you and I hope there's other people praying, God, open their eyes that they may see. Open his eyes so that he may see. My hopes today in this is that you have some conversations with people. And that your prayers aren't, God, just change your circumstances, but your prayers for those people are, God, would you open up their eyes to see? Would you give them the ears to hear? And would you give them a heart that is fully understanding so that you can heal them? Because Isaiah says it the opposite. They, they can't see, they can't hear, and their hearts are numb, so I can't heal them. But God's saying, but that's, the, that's what I want to give you. I want to give you eyes that see, ears to hear, and a heart that understands. That's what he's asking. Gail talked about it last week. You know, when God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself, and he looks at you and calls you a mighty warrior, you can't see that if all you're looking at is the rubble all around you. So you need to see that there's more for you than there's against you. And I can tell you this, I hope this church becomes this. A group of people who are continually for each other and for the kingdom of God. Because here's the thing. If we're going to be who God's called us to be and created us to be, we can't do it alone. And we're never meant to do it alone. We're called to be his body. His body. But here's the thing. I know many stories in this room. And I can tell you the rubble that you're staring in is sabotaging every part of your God-created identity right now. And until you step out of that rubble and until you begin to pray, God, open my eyes so that I can see and you can begin to start seeing, you're going to struggle every day fighting against who it is that God's called you to be. You'll try to make it happen on your own. You'll try to do all these things, but it's not going to happen. Why? Because God has something to teach you right now, right here. For that servant, God needed to open his eyes so that he could see what he needed to see. Somewhere along the line, God opened Elisha's eyes to see those things. 
And he knew the value of seeing things that you can't see in the physical. So he said, God, open up his eyes so he can see. Today, I hope and I pray that God begins to build this trust in your life, you with him. That you say, God, no matter what you're doing, I'm choosing to stay right here. And I'm asking you that you'd open my eyes, that you'd begin to push aside the things that block my sight. So that I can, number one, see you clearly. But I can, number one, see what I need to see in this situation. And would you begin to till up the rubble around me to make it soil that's very fertile so that the things that need to be planted can grow. And we can see a harvest that's 30 to 60 to 100 times greater than we could have ever imagined. Guys, would you come? We're going to pray. And kind of here's the thing. In your program, you have this thing that says, what's my step of obedience today? I don't know what it is for you, but I hope they'll take some time and you'll put something down that you need to do this week. Because we can't just hear the word and forget about it, but we hear it and we begin to apply it and we put it into action. Today, maybe it's you. God's been laying somebody in your heart and it's you need to go talk to them and you need to pray for them. Or maybe you need to go have a conversation with somebody, but before you have that conversation, you need to pray, God, would you open up our eyes? Would you open up their eyes? Would you help my heart to be in the right place? And the only way my heart's in the right place is if I'm seeing things the way I need to see them. Can we do that? Let's pray. God, today, God, you bless a humble and contrite heart. That's what your word says. And so today, God, I come before you with complete humility. God, knowing that that first service, I wasn't me. I was trying to convince. I was trying to convict. I was trying to push through what you wanted to do. But God, I believe in this time right now, your word has come forth. And it's been a seed that's been casted out. God, I don't know what soil it's falling out. I don't know if it's thorny. I don't know if it's rocky. I don't know if it's just a hardened down path. But today, God, would you make this soil of my heart fertile? Would it grow with the things that have been planted, with the word that's been cast today? God, may it take root and find shape in my life. God, I believe you're wanting a people who love you more than anything, who trust you, and who obey you. God, may we be a community that God speaks with such grace and truth, so full of grace and yet so full of truth. God, just like Jesus. So today, God, I thank you for my friends. Thank you for my friends that are going through a lot. I thank you that you have them right where you're at. And so just like Elijah today, God, would you open up its eyes? Would you open up her eyes so they can see exactly what you have? So they can see there's more for us than are against us. So they can see that most of all, God, you are for us. And that's all that matters. And so God, we choose to sit still. We choose to acknowledge you as Lord, a Lord over our life. And we ask that you would be Lord over this body and that we would be who you're called, who you've called us to be in Jesus name. Amen.